One of the great things about doing Charlotte Mason Nature Study is that you don't have to have a bunch of expensive equipment. Just grab your journal and go outside. But sometimes it can be helpful to expand our nature study practices by having some equipment if we want to. So today we want to talk about how you might be able to use binoculars as part of your nature study and what to look for in finding some binoculars that work well for that practice. Here to join me in this discussion are my friends and co-workers Karen and Doug Smith. Thanks for joining us. Good to be here. We want to talk about binoculars specifically. Karen, let's start with how do we use binoculars as part of our nature study? They're not necessary. Correct. But what are they good for? What, how might they expand our, our abilities in nature study? I'm going to state the obvious. Okay. They're good for seeing things far away. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you want to look at um, a bird or a mammal and that is um, frightened by your presence. And you can look at that closer if you have binoculars, so you can bring that right near to you and be able to see details with that. Um, maybe it's cold and snowy outside. Yes. And you see a bird on, you know, in the trees on the back of your property, and you can use your binoculars to look through your window at that and stay inside where it's warm. You know, maybe there's other places that whatever you want to look at is inaccessible. So you can use binoculars in those cases. But they can also be used to not only see the birds and mammals, but butterflies, the leaves on trees. There's oh, any type of oh, the moon. You can look at that. Not the sun, of course. Not the sun. Yes. yes. Do not look at the sun with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would not be a good thing. <laughs> we were not long ago looking at some trees and wondering what kind they were, and there were no leaves down low. With binoculars, you can see the tops of the trees. Those are great examples of ways to use it. How do you, I assume you taught your children how to use binoculars? How did you go about that? Because it's hard to see what they're seeing and be able to dial things in. So any yes. tips for that? Um, they need to adjust them so that, um, this way, <laughs> so that they see one circle, not multiple circles. In all the movies and TV shows, you always see the two circles yes. when they're showing a binocular vision. Yes. So you don't want that? No. And so when that all comes together, then they can work on the focusing. And you teach them how to use the focus on your pair of binoculars until the image is crisp and clear. What age do you think would you would recommend for starting that? I would assume young children Young children are, might are hard because they don't quite understand. But yes. usually later elementary, maybe some fourth graders, but definitely fifth and sixth graders could. Okay. To all learn the way to up. use them and then mm -hmm. all the way through the rest of their life. They take a little practice. So letting a younger child maybe try them out and experiment and get a feel for them is a good thing, but they won't be able to use them on their own for a while. Now, I've seen kid binoculars. I don't know that you'd call them toy binoculars, but I've seen, you know, the ones that are supposed to be for children. Yeah. Are those any good? Or, or maybe I should expand that question and say, what should we look for? 
in choosing a set of binoculars. Sure. Those things that we think of as toy binoculars are pretty much junk. Okay. They're going to create a frustrating experience for the child, so they won't want to use them. They're not going to be successful with those. Um, you really have to step up a little bit uh, to get something that's actually even usable. So They're fine for pretend play. That's true. Yeah. That's true. We could let them pretend with it or, you know, make their own out of paper cups just for fun yes. to, to emulate what others are doing. So what should we look for in binoculars? I've seen them advertised for a pittance all the way up to a fortune. Yes. yes. Do you have to spend a fortune to get a good pair? Are we looking for, you know, two million magnification? What are, what are we looking for? You know, the answer, as in so many things, is it depends. Binoculars can be expensive, but they can also be something that lasts a lifetime. So they may be an investment. Um, and they are truly the kind of item that you get what you pay for. And we can look at some of those features and what they mean. But if you're only going to be using them casually, not very often, then no, don't spend a lot on them. But if it's something that you think you are going to use repeatedly and you're going to love those and, and it's going to be an important tool for you, you might want to invest a little bit more. So if you're going to invest a smaller amount, because mm -hmm. you're not going to use them a lot, let's say, what features should you look for to make sure you're not wasting that small amount of money? Sure. Let's talk about magnification first. Okay. So many, especially on, on cheap binoculars, toy binoculars, they like to advertise how much magnification they have. You know, yes. this magnifies things 20 times. No, we've got one that's 30 times. Oh, ours does 100. And magnification actually can work against you. It's not the most important thing. Now, I brought some sticks, and we'll let's illustrate that a okay. little bit. Yeah, okay, yeah, show me. So let's pretend this stick is the magnification of a binocular. So Karen, put your finger out. And I'm going to hold it here and pivot it. So my small movement here makes a larger movement at the end. If I want to point to her finger, it's not too bad with this stick. Yes. But my small movement makes a larger one. That's how magnification works. Okay. Now if we have more magnification, and I want to point at her finger, and I'm making these little tiny movements here, it's a lot harder it's to... Squirrely. I'm having a hard time getting precise to point it there. Yes. Okay. It's the same thing with binoculars, where if you're trying to say, look at a bird, and that bird's moving, and you have so much magnification, you can't find it. So magnification isn't as big a deal as we might think. So, so let me clarify. Yeah. When, when you were focused, trying to get on the finger, it was trying to find it, not necessarily trying to dial in the focus. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just trying to locate it, because yes. that's happened to me sometimes. I'm looking for something. It's like, where did it go? Where did it go? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. And with a lot of magnification, any little movement of your hands is going to make a big movement in the things that you're looking for. Okay. And especially a younger child is really going to have a hard time with that. Yes, because their movements are not as fine-tuned yet. Right. And so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So... The other factor is the size of the lens. And the size of the lens, the larger it is, the more light it will gather and the clearer the image it will be. But on the negative side of that, the larger the lens, the heavier they will be and the larger they will be. Yes. So there's a balance point there. Okay. Now, if you look at a binocular, you'll see there's usually a label. And on the label, it tells their magnification and the size of the lens. 
This pair is an 8 by 42. So it says 8x42. That's the number of millimeters. So uh, 42 millimeters is this, the width of that lens, the diameter of the lens. And the 8 is the amount of magnification. And so you see, well, only 8 yeah, times. Yeah, 8 doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot. But an 8 by 42 is a kind of a perfect sweet spot for binoculars. And if you talk to especially bird watchers, most bird watchers will say, if you don't know what to go for, go for an 8 by 42. Okay. This pair here is actually smaller. It's a 7 by 35. Less magnification and a smaller lens. But you'll notice the binocular themselves are larger. And that's because of the way they're built, the type of lensing that they use. And that makes a difference too on how compact they are. Now you can do something like this that's not as compact and they will be less expensive. These use what they call a roof prism and you'll see that term used in, in the advertising for the binoculars that give it that straight look instead of this offset look and a little more compact. The problem with a roof prism is they're more expensive to build well. So if you spend the same amount of money for one this way or with a roof prism, the one with the roof prism is going to be lower quality. But if you spend more and get a better quality roof prism, you can, you can get a nice set that is more compact. And the compactness is helpful how? They're just easier to carry. You're going to use them more if you have them with you and you want to take them along. That's, that's mm -hmm. very true, yeah, that makes sense. If something is awkward to use, you're gonna use it fewer times. Right. And they make other sets that are much smaller. And you may want to have a smaller set or even one that has less magnification than eight, maybe a six for a child to use because it's easier for them to get used to. Because of the stick. Yes. yes less, mm -hmm. less magnification will be easier to find the object on the other end. Yes. Let me okay. give you a couple other little features. This one has protective lens covers that stay attached. Whereas this one, the lens covers come off. I like having them stay here. Um, less chance of losing them. Less chance <laughs> yes. of losing them, yes. Um, when you look into binoculars, it's important that distance from your eye to the lens, they've designed that to be just right. But if you wear glasses, mm -hmm. that's gonna change that distance. So these have a little rotating cup that goes up and down and if you wear glasses, you bring them down, and then your eyes are still at the same distance for glasses. This other pair does not have that feature. So, so you have to manually adjust your glasses. Yes, they don't work everything. as well for a glasses wear. Okay. The other thing that you might look for is that most binoculars have, you'll see there's one ring here that looks different than this ring. Yes, this one's got one notches has, on it. Yes. This one's adjustable because our eyes are not the same. So you adjust your focus with one, and then you use the ring to make your other eye match that. It's very important to have that or you won't be able to see clearly with them. Now these are a nicer, more expensive set of binoculars, and you can get into all sorts of features that are really only important if you use them a lot. For example, these are gas-filled so they don't fog up in the cold weather. But that's a little more of a premium feature. It sounds like as with any technology, you can drill down pretty deeply you can. into all the specs and details. But if let me narrate. What I have learned from this is that magnification is not 
the only thing you're looking for, and more magnification may not necessarily be better. And it may work against you. It may, yes, that's true. Um, 8 by 42 is a good starting point. It would be a good all-purpose binocular yes. to look for, size and magnification. Um, also looking for the ability, some of the good features that are nice to have, extra features, are whether you have that roof prism, how compact it is, and with, whether you can adjust it for glasses, and being able to adjust both eyes separately, if you will. Those are additional features that can be very useful yes. and helpful. Mm -hmm. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. Ooh. <laughs> now, let me ask you this question, just as a little aside. We're talking binoculars, but there are other apparatus that we can use for nature study that also include magnification lenses, like telescopes and microscopes and things like that. Do these same features apply to those? Some of them. The quality of the lensing, for example, is important. And the, the larger the lens, the more light they gather. Same thing. Magnification will work against you in the same way. You don't want a telescope that has too much magnification or you won't be able to find anything. You don't want a microscope that has too much magnification or you won't be able to find your, your small thing on a slide. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you want to have it just right. All right, great. Well, thank you for sharing about these ideas of using binoculars in nature study and how to choose some good ones. I'm sure that that will help our listeners be able to expand with more confidence and be able to look at those nature friends from a distance so we won't disturb them. Yeah. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. By the way, did you know that you can tell Siri or your Echo or Google device to play the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast? Give it a try. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.